everybody. I want to welcome our friends and family from New Covenant Ministries, and we want to thank you for allowing us to come into your homes today. We call you blessed today. In the midst of everything, Jesus is still Lord. God is on the throne. The devil's crazy. <laughs> but praise the Lord. Um, we want to uh, give you an opportunity to sow into to what we're doing here, into God's kingdom. And I want to let me say this debt-free confession over you today. I want to sow this into you. So just hang with me, believe with me as I go through this. We, the body of believers in New Covenant Ministries Church, we declare we've been car carved out for an end-time expression of El Shaddai. He is the God of abundance and no lack. We are taught how to live independently of this world system and how to have dominion over it. So therefore, in Jesus' name, we declare that we're debt-free today. The spirit of debt is destroyed over our lives and over this local church because of the anointing. We are the lender, not the borrower. We are the head, not the tail. We are blessed coming in, blessed going out. The Father daily loads us with benefits, and he causes his blessings to overtake us today. Wealth and riches are in our homes, and we increase more and more. God has given us power to get wealth to establish his kingdom here in the earth. And millions are now hearing the gospel and receiving Jesus as Lord. We are plenteous in goods, for God has given us richly all things to enjoy today. The blessing of the Lord makes us rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ, and Abraham's blessings belong to us today. We sow bountifully, therefore we reap bountifully. We give, and it is given unto us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. We have the wealth of the wicked. We owe man nothing but love. The devourer is rebuked for our sakes. He cannot destroy the fruits of our ground. All these promises are ours by faith. Faith works by love. So we constantly walk in light. We constantly walk in love. And in the word, the wicked one touches our snot. Our hearts are fixed. We're trusting in the Lord today. We hold fast to our confession of faith. For we are the debt-free redeemed of the Lord, and we say so in Jesus' name. And if you believe that, just shout about it. Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. So if you'd like to give online, um, just go to newcovenantchurch.ca, click the donate button and follow the instructions, or you can mail your checks into us at P.O. Box 280. Excuse me, P.O. Box 28063, Dartmouth, uh, B2W6E2. And we're here on Wednesdays from uh, 10 to 2 if you'd like to take advantage of our paid system uh, and drop off your offerings that way as well. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So are you ready? Um, I was thinking about a title for what, I was, what we're going to be talking about today. And um, everybody, like people have been coming up, this is a new normal, this is a new normal. Wow, this is such the new normal, what we're doing, where we are in, in regards to this virus thing. And um, my running conversation in the back is, we're not normal. So I'll, I'll call this the new normal, question mark. We're not normal. 
exclamation point. We are not normal. So we can go uh, just as a part, point of review, because I want to sow this into you. And the more that I say it, the more that I hear it, the more that I believe it as well. These are Pastor Gary's New Year's revelations that he, that he uh, had given to us at the beginning of the year. And I'll tell you what, I'm still saying them. There's five of them. Number one, believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. Number two, fear not, especially in this time and hour, fear not. Number three, you are complete in him. In him, you are complete. And it's a period, not a question mark. Number four, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. His good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And number five, be steadfast, be unmovable, 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 and always abounding in the work of the Lord. Amen. So I have um, some bedrock truths that I want to sow. Number one, God cannot lie. Number two, his word is true. We can trust him today. Number three, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Number four, as he is, so are we in this world. Number five, and most important, God is a good God. Just say it. God is a good God. Say it again. God is a good God. Amen. So I want to use as a, as a launch point, um, believe in the Lord your God. Believe in the Lord your God. Make it personal. You need to believe in the Lord your God. God cannot lie. And his word is true. In this situation of the new, you know, people are talking about the new normal. No, we are not normal. So, in Luke one thirty seven, it says, for with God, nothing is impossible. So, if you turn that around, with God, everything is possible. Amen? The Living Bible says, for every promise from God shall surely come true. American Standard says, for no word from God shall be void of power. Not one word of from God shall be void of power. And in the Passion, it says, not one promise from God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. So you to, uh, let's, let's dive into some scriptures, please. And um, let's turn to uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Woo! Hebrews 11, 6, please. And we're going to be talking about faith. Pastor's been talking about faith lately. And uh, right now, we need all the faith that we can get. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. What? The Word of God. So we're going to get into some Word. We're going to build your faith. We're going to starve our doubts to death in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. So, uh, Hebrews 11, verse 6, please. It says, Without faith... It is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe, number one, that he is. He is what? He is God. And number two, he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We're diligently seekers today. We diligently, we diligently seek the master. Amen. The Message Bible says it is impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists, and look at this part, I love this, that he cares enough to respond. God cares enough to respond to your prayers today. God cares so much about you, he sent his son. Amen. 
that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. So he wants to respond to you, but if you don't believe that he exists and that he desires to answer your prayers, well, then nothing's going to happen. How could it? How could something that you don't believe in happen for you? The Passion says this in Hebrews eleven six: 6, um, without faith living within us, it would be impossible, impossible to please God. Faith living within us. We have living faith. It's alive. For we come to God in faith, knowing that he is real and that he rewards the faith of those who give all of their passion and their strength into seeking him. He's talking about a rewarded faith. What is rewarded faith? Well, rewarded faith is answered prayer. What is that? That's peace in turbulent times, healing for sickness, viruses and or diseases, deliverance from despair, family restoration, woo, finances for, uh, finances for debt, and total debt annihilation. Come on now. That is rewarded faith. Isn't that good? I like it. So what is faith? Let's just jump up a couple of uh, verses before that in Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, now faith is the substance. It's a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. New Living says, faith is a confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. Hope is, a, is an urgent expectation of what God said he's going to do for you. It gives us insurance about things we cannot see. Living Bible says, what is faith? Well, faith is a confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. It is the certainty of what we hope for is waiting for us. What we hope for is waiting for you. What you're praying about is waiting for you. It's coming. Even though we cannot see it up ahead, it's coming. Uh-huh. Message, the fundamental act of existence is that this trust in God, this faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. This faith that we have in God is a firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. Amen. God cannot lie. It is our handle on what we can't see. We can't see it, but God, faith in God is going to uh, make our life worth living. And not just existing, but living, thriving. And he wants us to thrive in opulence. He doesn't want us just to barely get along. In the Webster's 1828, it says it this way. Um, faith is an affectionate, practical confidence in the testimony of God. Faith is a firm belief in the accuracy of God, in all the declarations of his word, a full and an affectionate confidence in the certainty of those things which God has declared. And I like this part. And because God declared it. Because he said so. Come on. God said so and so it was. God said and it was. God said and it was. God is still saying and it still wasing. Amen. 
So if this word is true, and we believe that it is, because God said so, we can put all of our trust, all of our passion, all of our intelligence on what he says he's willing to do in his word concerning us, concerning our situation. Doesn't matter what the situation is. There is no, there is no situation that he can't handle. There's a word for it. There's an app for everything that we're going through in this book. Amen. Amen. In Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, we're not going to turn there, but it says, God is not a man that he should lie. And we talked about that in some of our bedrock truths. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and shall he not do it? God will say what, <laughs> God will do what he says in his word. And we need to put our faith on that, believing, trusting in him that he will do as he said for us. Amen? Has he said and shall he not do it? Or has he spoken? Shall he not make it good? Yes, he will make it good. He will make it good for you. He will make it good for me. He will make it good for anybody that comes to him in faith, believing that uh, uh, he will do exactly what he said he will do. Amen. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, please. The new normal? Nah, we're not normal. Praise the Lord. Which is good. We're believers. Believers. Not doubters. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. If we believe not... Yes, he, God, abides faithful. Even when we're not in believing mode, even if we don't believe, yet God still abides faithful. He cannot deny himself. Listen to this in the New, uh, New Living Translation. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. He cannot deny who he is. God is a loving father. God loves us so much, he can't help himself. He cannot deny who he is. The message, if we give up on him, he does not give up on us. Isn't that good? He does not give up on us. How many times have we turned our backs on him and he's still pursuing us? What a God we serve. For there's no way he can be false to himself. There is no way. Come on, that's a, that's a, that ought to make you just kind of perky inside and just say, hey, you know what? He's got me. He's got me. Living Bible. Even when we're too weak to have any faith left, <laughs> come on. Even when we are too weak to have any faith left, he remains faithful to us and he will help us for he cannot disown us who are part of himself. We belong to him i got to read it again. Even when we are too weak to have any faith left, he remains faithful to us and will help us, for he cannot disown us who are part of himself. He cannot disown us. He's not going to let us go. Oh, God, cut me off. No, he didn't. He can't. He cannot disown us who are part of himself. And he will always carry out his promises to us. Always. Always. Oh, that's good. I'm going to read it again. 
even when we are too weak to have any faith left, He, God, remains faithful to us. And He, God, will help us. For He, God, cannot disown us who are part of Himself. And He, God, will always carry out His promises to us. Always. Man, that's good. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 6. I'm getting happy. Hebrews chapter 6, please. And we're going to take it in verse 18. Just the first part of it. It says that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. It is impossible for God to lie. Huh. So in John 10.10, 10, it says that there's a thief that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And Jesus said, I've come to give life and that more abundantly. It is impossible for God to lie. So if Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly, that's on God's part. It's impossible for him to lie. So if there's something stealing, killing, and destroying from you, that is not from God. Just, you know, just to make a point here. That is not God. New Living Translation says in Hebrews 6.18, So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. The message says God cannot break his word, and because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. Unchangeable. Living Bible, it says that he, God, has given both his promise and his oath. Two things we can completely count on, for it is impossible for God to tell a lie. Now, all those who flee to him to save them can take new courage when they hear such assurances from God. Now they can know without a doubt that he will give them the salvation that he promised them. He will. So when you say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. As part of your salvation package, he did. And also part of that salvation package is there's healing, there's deliverance, there's, there's financial um, freedom, debt freedom. Absolutely everything in salvation, sozo. It's complete in every area of your life. Take it. God promised he's going to do it for you. Amen. Let's go back a couple of chapters to Hebrews chapter 4, please. Verse 1. <laughs> Went to the wrong one. And we got to go ahead a couple of chapters to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. That looks better. Are you there? Okay. Hebrews 4, 1. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Here's where we want to get to. Verse 2. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them which heard it. So, when you hear this word, you have to mix your faith with this word. I believe I receive. I believe I receive. I believe I receive. I believe this. They say this word is nourishment to, me, to your body. I believe this word. 
And so what are you doing? I'm mixing my faith, trust in him, believing that, hey, yeah, yeah, this is working. We mix our faith in everything that we do in this word, concerning this word. Amen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, don't turn there. We're just going to read it uh, for the sake of time. It says, we have the same spirit of faith. So in Hebrews 4, 2, it says um, they didn't get anything because they didn't mix their faith with it. It says here in, in 2 Corinthians 4, 13, we have the same spirit of faith, the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. We speak what we believe. We believe what we speak. What are you doing? You're mixing it up. You believe, you, you know, come on now. You, you believe what you speak and you speak what you believe. You believe what you speak. You speak what you believe. You're stirring it up. You're mixing it all together. Why? Because faith comes by hearing. And the more that you hear yourself say what God's promises are, the more you're going to believe it. Because really, this book here is God's love letter, letter to you. You ever try reading out of somebody else's Bible? It feels so foreign. Feels so weird. Why? Because this thing is alive and it's personal. And when you spend your time in this, there, there's, a, there's a personal um, reaction that goes back and forth between you and, and, and this word because the word is alive. Is God speaking to you? You speaking to God? What are you doing? You're mixing it up as well. Amen. In Romans 8, 11, it says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, that's resurrection power. We just had resurrection Sunday uh, just a couple of days ago. And he said, that's the, the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. You've got resurrection power on the inside of you. Just waiting to bust out. Stir yourself up. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or make alive your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. His spirit is dwelling in you right now. Woo! Come on. It's good to know. What a God we serve. That's why we can say, hey, you know what? The new normal, <laughs> we're not normal. We, <laughs> come on, we're resurrected people. Let's jump over to Mark chapter 11, please. We believe and therefore speak. The more we speak, the more we believe. So therefore, we therefore speak. The more we speak, the more we believe. And so it's just continual, continual. And that's why we have to continually be in this word. Why? So we can speak it and believe it, believe it and speak it and just get it going. It's pretty cool. Mark 11, uh, verse 12. And I'm going to read this to you in the uh, New Living Translation. I just like the way it's worded here. Uh, in verse 12, it says, The next morning as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Verse 13, He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off, and so he went over to see if he could find any figs. But there were only leaves uh, because it was too early in the season for fruit. Jesus said to the tree, May no one ever eat your fruit again. Jesus spoke it, and the disciples heard him say it. So he said it out loud. 
the end result. He said that out loud. And look at, um, let's jump down to verse 20. Still staying in the New Living Translation. The next morning, as they passed a fig tree that he had cursed, the, the disciples noticed that it had withered from the roots up. So when you curse something, when you curse a sickness on your body, realize that it's being cursed from the roots up. You may not see anything, but you believe what you say. And you will have what you say. Jesus cursed that tree few verses back, the next morning, they're seeing what was going on. Jesus said it. There was nothing that happened immediately. The next day, it says the next morning as they passed by the fig tree that Jesus cursed, the disciples noticed it had withered from the roots up. We want to get to the root of things. Verse 21, Peter remembered what Jesus said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, Look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed is withered and died. Verse 22, then Jesus said to the disciples, Have faith in God. Other versions say, uh, Have the faith of God or have the God kind of faith. What is a God kind of faith? Well, in, in, um, in Genesis, uh, when God was during creation, it said, God said. God spoke, God spoke, God spoke. And near the end of that chapter, it says God saw that what he spoke. God said, God said, God said, and then God saw. And we're created in his image and in his likeness. So as he is, so are we, which we said. So what you say, you're going to see what you say. Amen? So... Jesus said in verse 22, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. And I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe you received it, it will be yours. If you believe that you received it, it will be yours. But there's a condition. Verse 25. But when you are praying, first, forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against. Uh-huh. First, forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. And he will. You make the opportunity to forgive and there, there will come a grace upon you to, to walk that out, to, to begin to forgive those people that need forgiveness. And it's not for them, it's for you. Amen. In Proverbs 18, uh, verses 20 and 21, it says that a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. They that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. So let's speak life. Let's speak blessing. That's why you need to forgive. Because if you curse those people that you have unforgiveness against, well, it's not, it's not going to work out good for you. How can God hear your prayers? It says, when you are, and back to Mark eleven twenty five. 25, but when you are praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against. First, do that. Because as you step out, God is going to step in to help you. You trust him. 
He does not lie. He will empower you to do, especially the impossible. Because sometimes trying to forgive somebody that has really wronged you might feel impossible. But we serve the God of the impossible, and he wants to make the impossible happen for you. Amen? Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, please. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Hmm, this is good. 17, though. Let's take it there. Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. Woo-hoo! But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass or a mirror, the glory of the Lord, and are changed into the same image. The same image. Come on. From glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Listen to this in New, New King James. It says, but we all, verse 18, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, were being transformed. King James says change. Here it says transformed into the same image. From glory to glory. There's a transformation. There's steps. There's a metamorphosis that's happening. Like from the caterpillar to the butterfly. We're changing from glory to glory. The more that you put your face into this mirror. And the more that you say what it is that this Bible is saying about you. You are being changed from Come on, from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. Amen. Uh, listen to this, the passion. We can all draw, clo draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces and with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured. Transfigured. Remember when Jesus was transfigured on the mountain? Huh. We're being transfigured into his very image. Come on, he lit up that mountain. And as we become transfigured from the inside out, we're going to be lighting up everywhere we go. The glory of the Lord shining on us, in us, through us. Why? To help these people in this lost and dying world. He just doesn't want us to be transfigured so we just walk around glowing. <laughs> no, it's for a purpose. And his purpose. So it says we are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the spirit. It comes from him. Everything comes from him. Amen. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. That's just, uh, just a couple of, uh, probably just a page over. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, in Christ, he is a new creature, a new species of being, uh, something that has never been before. That's why we can't, you know, we can't come into this, uh, coming into agreement, well, this is our new normal. No, we're not normal. No, we're a new creature with a new feature, transfigured. Woo! All things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. New Living says it this way. Uh, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. 
and saying with the new living in verse 18, uh, all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. That's our task. That's our job. This is why we're being transformed. This is why we're new creatures with new features. Why? To reconcile people back to him. Verse 19, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Come on, the message of reconciliation. God is not mad at you. God loves you. God wants the best for you. Amen. You're his kid. Every parent wants the best for their children. God the Father wants the best for his kids. Verse 20. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. That's what we're doing with these people that are our friends and family and, and other people that we see on the street that are lost. Come back to God. 21. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering of our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. He just wants to make you right through him. Amen. Amen. It's so good. Can you handle a couple more verses? Let's go to Luke chapter 22, please. Luke 22, 31. And the Lord said unto Peter, or Simon, 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 behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. What did we just read? Um, come on, we're ambassadors. We're reconciling people back to him, back to God. Come back to God. And the, Jesus told Peter this, when you're converted, strengthen your brethren. In the passion, it says, um, remember this. After you've turned back to me, and have been restored, which we have done. We've all had to go back to Jesus. When we said Jesus, come into our lives, and he does. Well, there's a restoration of all things. So that we can share our new lives with the people that we come across, right? The people in our world. So it says, after you turn back to me and have been restored, make it your life mission to strengthen the faith of your brothers. That's what we're supposed to do. Strengthen the faith of our brothers. When we see somebody that's getting weak in their faith, strengthen them, lift them up. Come on. Don't beat them down. Oh, they're just weak. No, no, no. Lift them up. Um, past, uh, Acts chapter 26. Uh, I'm going to read from uh, verses 12 to 17 in the Passion Translation. Because... Making, making things our life mission, making this our life mission to strengthen the faith of our brothers really is what we're called to do. And this is Paul speaking. And, and in Acts 26, verse 12, For that purpose I went to Damascus with the authority granted to me by the chief priests. 
While traveling on the road at noon, your highness, I saw a light brighter than the, fla uh, the sun flashing from heaven all around me and those that who were with me. We all fell to the ground and I heard a voice speaking to me in Arama Aramaic saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus takes it very personal when you get persecuted. You're, <laughs> come on, you're only hurting yourself when you resist your calling. You're only hurting yourself when you resist your calling. You're being called. Stop fighting what God has called you to do. You know who you are. God has been talking to you quite a bit. And he's been telling you things that he wants you to do for him, but you've been fighting it. Stop fighting it. Your calling is something God has called you to do. And you will do it. When God calls you to do something, he will, he will give you the tools, absolutely everything that you need to fulfill the calling that he's, that he's called you to do. Verse 15, I asked, who are you, Lord? And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one that you're persecuting. Get up, stand to your feet. For <laughs> Listen to this. For I have appeared to you to reveal your destiny and to commission you as my assistant. I need to read it again. Jesus, and I, I don't know who I'm talking to over there, but it's you. For I have appeared to you to reveal your destiny. He wants to, today, he's going to reveal your destiny and to commission you as my assistant. He's going to put his hands on you and deputize you to become his assistant. You'll be a witness to what you have seen, to the things that I reveal whenever I appear to you. He will reveal them. You just Share what he's revealed to you. Verse 17. I will rescue you from persecution of your own people, from the hostility of other nations that I'll send you to, and you will open their eyes to their true condition. That's what you're going to do. Your words of life are going to and open up to people and show people in their lives that, hey, listen, I need a savior. I need to be saved. Come on now. You will open their eyes to their true condition so they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God. By placing their faith in me, they will receive total forgiveness of sins and be made holy, taking hold of the inheritance that I give to my children. Taking hold of the inheritance that he gives to his children. That's us. We got an inheritance to take hold of. Woohoo! All right, two more verses. In Romans 1, verse 10, it says, and I'm still in the Passion, my desire and constant prayer is that I would be able to come and visit you according to the plan and timing of God. Verse 11, I yearn to come to be face to face with you and to get to know you. For I long to impart to you the gift of the Spirit that will empower you to stand strong in your faith. There's, a, there's an empowerment that's going to come from the Spirit of God that'll, that'll enable you to stand strong in your faith. Verse 12, now this means that when we come together and are side by side, something wonderful will be released. We can expect... We can expect, when we come back together again, when we get a chance to meet together again here, we can expect to be co-encouraged and co-comforted co -comforted by each other's faith. 
We can expect to be co-encouraged and co-comforted by each other's faith. We need one another. And I'll tell you what, I cannot wait till we get a chance to, to get together and, and to share and minister God and worship God and all in one place under one roof. Hugging on one another. Woo! No social distancing there. We'll do it now. So when we ever when we come back here, and it's going to be sooner than later, look at Hebrews 10 25, the last verse. Not forsaking the assembles of ourselves together as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. It's one thing to watch us live online, and it's good. Thank you, Jesus, that we have a chance to do that. But there's something about the personal being there in the body of all the believers with corporate faith being generated together. We need one another. And the body, there's certain parts, and, we, and everybody has a part to play in this. When we all get together, we, we become one. New Living Tra Translation, it says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. So don't get used to watching us online when once this virus is over. Come to church. Not a, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Living Bible, this is the last verse. Let us not neglect our church meetings, just in case you didn't get that. Let us not neglect our church meetings as some people do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his coming back is drawing near. Come on, come to church. Last thought. This battle that we're in may not be your choice, but the outcome is. The battle may not be your choice, but the outcome is. Why? Because greater is he that is in you, that is in me, than he that is in the world. Come on. The greater one is greater than any virus. And I call you blessed today. Praise the Lord. Amen. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.